As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman, and we finally reached the closing week of the summer transfer window. Premier League clubs have spent more than their German, Italian, Spanish and French counterparts combined and they are not done yet. Don't miss any of the twists and turns with myself, David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and many more on the Athletic Football Podcast this week as we take you inside the deals that really matter. We're free to listen wherever you get your podcasts and we're ad-free on the Athletic app. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and welcome to Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. In today's show, we'll take a look at the continuing and growing relationship between the fans and the team. Uh, to do that, I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Art de Roche. Hello. Afternoon. Afternoon. Nice to see you guys. I'm assuming Richard Keys did not stop you celebrating at the weekend, just by the way. Is that, <laughs> it, it, that I, I wouldn't feel bad about it. I know Richard is really in charge of who celebrates and when and how much. <laughs> but, can, can I just uh, ask that? Uh, can I ask you a question? Who's Richard Keys? Ah, uh, Richard Keyes is the uh, Richard Keyes is the is the the guy who used to be on Sky Sports is now on. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, now I've forgotten all about him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Anyway, uh, there was a lot of pushback for his ridiculous comments about us over celebrating our comeback win. Let's not forget over Fulham. And on that point, uh, I I would ask: Are these people even football fans? I mean. I mean, what the hell? It essentially, it's like, oh, you only celebrate when uh, uh, when we beat Liverpool at Anfield or something. I genuinely want these people to do one. Um, <laughs> I, I would say worse, but I know there are children <laughs> listening. Uh, there was also widespread hilarity when he called Burnt Leno Jay Leno. <laughs> so we thought we'd ask Arsenal players as talk show hosts. Art, I'll ask you, uh, Arsenal players as talk show hosts, what are you having? I've actually got a pair, so if this oh, yeah. can if this can be allowed, I'll have co-hosts, and they're going to be Carl Jenkinson and Alex Oxley Chamberlain. The reason being is I remember when they were at the club, Arsenal used to do quite a lot of videos on YouTube. I think one was called the Chat, and those two just had a really good chemistry and were quite 
genuinely funny together. So I think those two would make quite good co-hosts for maybe maybe a podcast rather than a talk show nowadays. And I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't mind listening to them. To be fair, Jenks and the Ox. I'm thinking. I think that would work. Or the Corporal, of course, and the Ox might work as well. Uh, what you got, Adrian? What you got for us? That's a really good shout, you know. They, they, were, they were funny. Arsenal <laughs> used to just hammer them for content because they, they, they were easy and they were always up for it. Um, the one name that springs to mind as a talk show host is Keown. I think you can just have the name Keown on its own. That's a strong name. But Martin is just so argumentative and so aggressive like in, in, in the way that he debates football sometimes. And he gets so easily wound up as well that I think that it would be surprisingly entertaining. I really do. He, he, he loves a row, does Martin. Uh, he, and he's a little bit well, sensitive, a little bit sensitive as well. So yeah, I think all the ingredients are there for um, some good moments. Well, I'm just going to read you the sentence I've written down here about half an hour ago saying Martin Keown doing a show called Round to Martins <laughs> is what I thought. I, my reason was who wouldn't answer any question that he would ask? Yeah. I mean, Martin, he'd ask a question and you'd sit quietly and he'd just sit and look at you. And in the end, you'd crumble, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, a couple of little corrections. I said last week that the status quo wrote rocking all over the world, but it was, in fact, John Fogarty of Credence Clearwater uh, Revival. Someone, and I can't remember who, told me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thanks for the message, stroke admonishment. <laughs> uh, also on the last show, uh, Adrian and myself spoke a lot about wanting to visit Glimped. Uh, anyway, Andrew Kaiser, who would know about this, uh, said, uh, if you visit Norway, don't try to go to Glimped. Uh, it doesn't exist. The, the town doesn't exist. That's the team. It means flash or lightning related to Glint in English. The city is Bodo. Okay. Uh, so there you have it. We're going yeah. to Bodo. Not it's a little Glint. bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, you know what? On uh, Just to give us a little cut, a little bit of slack, we were talking about one second after the draw had been made <laughs> and, and we hadn't heard of either Bodo or Glimt. So uh, anyway, we'll take a guess. Uh, guess at what was, uh, where we're going. Um, also, by the way, the Zurich game is not in Zurich, uh, as we found out. Anyway, Arsenal's potential midfield problem. Let's talk about that. The Athletic reported today that Mohamed El Nani is being assessed, being assessed for a potentially significant injury that could see the Egyptian out for a substantial period of time. Uh, we don't know quite how long. Uh, we do know that Thomas Partey missed the win over Fulham with a, uh, I'm doing inverted commas here, relatively minor muscular injury. But we have a bit of a midfield problem. Do we not, Art? I mean... I mean, if, if Partey's not fit and El Neni's not fit, we could put uh, Albert Sambi, Laconga in there, but we have no cover, do we? Yeah, it's a bit of deja vu once again. I mean, both last season and the season before, Arsenal suffered because of those uh, injury problems in midfield. And I think it's probably important to uh, state <laughs> Albert Sambi, Laconga can play football. It's not like he's the worst player ever. I think... There was probably maybe overreaction, maybe the wrong word, but obviously you would like more cover. But I don't think uh, Lokonga's incapable of playing that role, especially against Aston Villa. But oh, for... he said it here first, listener. <laughs> Sorry. He said it here first. Sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like overall you probably want someone who's probably able to bridge the gap a bit more between um, between Partey because. Uh, as you saw with El Neni, although he's 
a passable kind of backup. He's just not really the same style of player in terms of being able to progress the ball well. He can move it around, but not to the same kind of extent as Partey. So you are kind of seeing the same the same issues right ahead again, which is not the most enjoyable feeling. No, I, I agree. I, I mean, I listen, I absolutely wasn't suggesting that... Uh, that Sambi Laconga was not an excellent footballer. He is. But we know the difference Thomas Partey makes and, and uh, Mo Elneny has quite a lot of experience. So, Adrian, that being the case, if you're in the boardroom, are we looking at bringing in a central midfielder? If we do bring in a central midfielder, what happens when everyone's fit? How does it work? Is it a loan deal? No, I wouldn't. I don't think we're in a position where we need to go and get an emergency loan. We're in a very strong position. We're attractive to players across the world because the team is heading in the right direction. We're top of the Premier League. I think it's a good time to flex our muscles, actually, providing, of course, we can afford it. Depends, you know, depends what, how the books are balanced, etc. But now I'd like to see us get, get a central midfielder in, uh, especially in light of, of, of what's happening here and still go for that, that right winger slash forward, somebody like Pedro Neto. I'd, I'd still like to see it happen. Samuel Lukonga is good enough to, to play, no doubt about that. He, he's a better player to watch. He's probably stylistically more similar to Partey than Elneny. So I don't think it's a big issue, but it's, if anything happens to him, then, then we could be in trouble. It would be really light. We do, of course, have Granit Xhaka who can play in that deeper role and we can just put in a more attacking player where Granit is. So, so yeah, I would hope that this situation would prompt us to, to push a bit harder, maybe for Tielemans, maybe for a surprise signing. I don't know. Well, we've got a couple of days to go. I mean, Alexander Sinchenko, uh, of course, mm-hmm. one of the things that was talked about with him was that he could also play in midfield. Injured <laughs> at the moment, although he, he could be back for Villa. And, you know, we talked about him, didn't we, Adrian? We said mm. that, that oh. you know, he can play he can play uh, uh, left back, but he can also play in midfield. I mean, he plays there for Ukraine as the national team. No, no issue having Sinchenko midfield at all. I think we really missed him, actually. It was it was a bit harsh on Kiarantini. I thought at the weekend he he just looked like a player that was a bit rusty. Yes. But because Zinchenko's looked so comfortable, particularly in central areas, when Tierney tried to emulate it, it, it all felt a little bit clunkier. So so it sort of exacerbated his his struggles a little bit. But no, if Zinchenko's fit, I think he can he can either play the holding role, or you can uh, put Xhaka there or or Laconga there, and and have him in sort of left midfield. So. Yeah, ben White. He, he's a what great about player. Ben White? Uh, Art Ben White could step in, maybe. I mean, I mean, there has been talk about him playing as a sort of holding uh, midfielder. Is he good enough to play in that position? I, I'm not sure if I'd go with that right now. I'm not saying he can't do it, but just because it would be such a a new experience, I I, I wouldn't want to do that right at this moment. I think Zinchenko or say Xhaka going into that into that role would probably make a bit more sense. Probably especially with how Zinchenko has been playing. I think even in the Leicester and the Bournemouth games, he was, sometimes he was right next to Thomas Partey. Um, and that midfield three almost changed from Partey, Erdegaard, Xhaka to Zinchenko, Erdegaard and Partey. So there was, I guess, a natural rotation in there, uh, which I wouldn't be surprised to see again if Zinchenko was to start. start. 
Um, and I guess the fact that uh, Zinchenko was involved with the celebrations on on the, didn't look that on, injured, the, did on, the we- on the weekend. <laughs> Hopefully, that that's a sign of encouragement. <laughs> I loved how I loved how the steward tried to eject him. That was that was hilarious. Um, that was actually yeah. Richard Keys had phoned him up and said, "Make him stop. He's not um, even playing in the game. What's he doing there?" <laughs> on Ben White, I think he, he did it in the Championship. Now the the Championship. And the Premier League are two different levels, aren't they? And I think yes. he also did it for, for a Leeds United team that doesn't play the same style as Arsenal. So I think it would be too big an ask to get him to do that right away, personally. That's not to say he, he couldn't in the long term. On that, Fulham did a great job of stopping us giving the ball to Mo and Eddie, by the way. They did. They kind of copied what Palace did last year, where they really pressed us ridiculously hard. And it stopped us being able to use use that deep pivot to start attacks. Moroneni had one of the fewest amount of touches in that first half of any Arsenal player. He was covered the whole time, wasn't yeah. he? I noticed that as well. Although, again, what Art said is true. He's not as progressive a player, is he, as, uh, no. as Thomas Partey? No. So, obviously, we'll miss him and we wish him uh, the best to get back as soon as possible. And uh, we are Arsenal and we will cope. Of course, we will. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We won't talk about the game uh, too much, the Fulham game, uh, three days ago. One thing, though, I do want to mention, when we went behind against Fulham, uh, Mikel Arteta took off Kieran Tierney and brought on Eddie and Ketia. Oh, I thought Eddie played great in that half an hour, by the way. He suddenly looks like a different player. He looks hungry. He, I, I, I don't like to talk about it too much, but he reminds me of Ian Wright so much. His <laughs> runs. He's looked up to Wrighty for years, hasn't he? We know that. Wrighty almost mentored him. And it's so nice to see him get a bit of game time, isn't it? Yeah, another Lucian kid. I'll just drop that in there. No, <laughs> but, um... absolutely. <laughs> but in terms of his game, I think... Last season, it wasn't particularly clear with everyone because he obviously wasn't playing in the Premier League for a long period of time. I think over in pre-season games and when he was playing in the League Cup, you could see the notches going up and then you finally kind of got the full package when he was playing against Chelsea, West Ham, Man United. I think in that cameo, obviously it was just half an hour, but you saw he, he just gave Arsenal a different way to attack the game, really. I think he was strong in deeper positions. He was able to stretch stretch the line. He did it well. He moved with the ball particularly well, too. And I think all that was missing from his performance, really, was a goal. Because aside from that, he really added to the game. And I think he did that away at uh, Crystal Palace as well, where Arsenal were in a very kind of tricky position. He comes on with Kieran Tierney. And then he's the player who sets up the move for the second goal in that game. So I think you're seeing a player or, say, Arsenal now have the option to bring on Enketi and keep Jesus on the pitch and stay dangerous. And I think that's probably one of the areas where you look at last season and say, where can Arsenal improve? It's when they go behind and how they create chances when they're behind. And I think... That's something that 
Enketia helps with massively because he just gives you a, a different problem to solve. Um, and I, go on, Adrian, you want to say something? Yeah, well, I agree completely. Yeah, first thing, we came back from a deficit, um, which we didn't do too often last season. So that was great. Once. Once yeah, it was, that was, that was good, good character on our part. And it, and it was a tough game. Fulham were very aggressive. Fulham played well, I thought. Yeah, they, they're, they're a decent team. And yes. they took it to us. And we fought, we fought them off. And we, it, but there was a, that passage when Eddie came on. We we laid siege to Burnt Leno's goal. I mean, yeah, I've, yeah, I did, I've done the breakdown. I've sort of looked at it, looked at it pretty closely. That sort of seventy um, from seven from the seventieth minute to when we got the equaliser, it was just wave after wave after wave. Um, I credit Mikel Arteta for the tactical switch. Obviously, it was more of a back three, three five two, something he, he, he dabbled with in pre season. And and aside from Enketu, who was brilliant when he came on, for me the big difference was stretching the pitch so he used Saka and Martinelli as wing backs but he, he basically had chalk on their boots and when you're up against that Fulham team that were defending so brilliantly in the first half down the middle of the pitch it's going to naturally draw you out and of course if there was one striker up front the two centre backs would say nah don't worry about it we, we, you know they, they, they'll stay nice and narrow but when you've got two to look after they're getting pulled around as well so um, yeah we just pinned them in sort of 4v4 and um, and just took them apart it was it was a really really good second half of the second half i thought it was terrific just on that as well i know <laughs> richard keys said arsenal were lucky because erdegaard's shot had a de- deflection but i feel like that's a shot erdegaard doesn't usually take on so him being confident enough to take that shot on and i guess being able to create that many chances Either way, I think even if his goal didn't go in, Arsenal were going to score at some point. Is, is there a class here, number 10, in the Premier League at the moment? At, at the I moment. Mean, so good. He looks so, so good. He looks so good. And, he looks and, imperious. And, well, I mean, on match of the day, they did say, what is going on at Real Madrid that they would let him go and they've got to replace Tony Cruz and uh, and um, and Luka Modric. And, they've, and they had him and they let him go. But uh, well done for doing that, Real Madrid, because <laughs> we is. absolutely love him. He's our captain. And he led by example and he dragged us back into that game, didn't he, really? Mm. Uh, and yeah. so uh, fair play to him. The other thing that worked, and I know we talk about this every week, and uh, were you at the game at the weekend, Adrian? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're at the game. Would you agree with Aaron Ramsdale? Aaron Ramsdale said, this is the loudest I've heard Emirates Stadium. Obviously, it helps that we're winning on the pitch, but it's in the times of struggle within the game that they're coming to our aid and helping us, and it really does lift us. I mean, Mm. my son phoned me up. He was at the game, and he said he's never heard it like that. Never heard it like that. What do you think? I I think I've heard it louder personally, but it's it's where you are in the ground often, isn't yes, it? Um, at the moment, because we do the breakdown live from a box from box level behind the goal and the clock end, you sort of only get the clock end noise, and I think the higher you are, the the, the, the less noisy it can be. So I wouldn't describe it as the noisiest I've heard, but that might just be from where I'm sat. What I do know is that the atmosphere has been electric, that the Ashburton Army have made a tremendous difference. To, to the noise and the atmosphere and the, and the singing in the, inside the ground. So kudos to them. And and when I look around the stadium, there are just very, very few empty, empty seats, which is yeah. wonderful to see. It Yeah, it's been a, a joyous start to the season. <laughs> and we didn't play that... I mean, at first, I thought we didn't play that well and we won the game. But when I watched it back, 
we played pretty well, I have yeah. to say, against a, against a team that would have unsettled all... I would, I would say Fulham, playing that way, would have unsettled 15, 16, 17 Premier League teams that day. Uh, well, unbeaten uh, until uh, yesterday, uh, drawn with Liverpool, have beaten Brentford in the last minute. They, they are a decent team, uh, actually. Amy, uh, Amy Lawrence uh, of this pod has written uh, a piece about the unity at the Emirates and how the crowd and the players are together. What about this, Art, from the piece? Uh, the All or Nothing Amazon documentary might have something to do with a new mood. Uh, peering behind the curtain, seeing the efforts of all at London Coney and the dynamic determined energy of Arteta putting across his belief has softened some of the more strident views. Do you think the documentary helped Art? I mean, I'd like to say that it did, particularly as I was in it, and so (laughs) I I would like to take personal credit at this point for the revival. Um, But do you feel that there is more of a bond partly because of that, Art? Uh, To an extent. I wouldn't say it's the whole kind of deal. Um, I thought I'd done sorry. An job, so, so, sorry to be the party pooper again, <laughs> but I think yeah, going into say the Leicester game, so that was the last home game I was at. Again, you could tell it was so much louder than even last season, and I think it's almost a mix of a few different things. I think obviously the portrayal in the documentary was quite good, and that has probably played a part. But I also just feel. The way they hit the ground running from pre-season onwards, basically, yeah. has helped that massively as well. We because... lift each other, don't we, Art? Let's be Definitely. fair. The, the team have really hit the ground running and the fans have gone, oh, have a look at this. Yeah. And we're seeing Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> and then the fans turn up and make a hell of a racket and the players are like, right, they're behind us. And it, and it drives them on. It's a symbiotic yeah. relationship, right? I, I would say as well, um, I, I feel like... I'm not sure if there's a way to prove this, but in that Leicester game in particular, obviously everyone remembers the moment when the fans applauded Saliba after his own goal. And the day before that, in Arteta's press conference, he actually was talking about how, okay, you probably get a hit with a bill with young players uh, when they make mistakes. And I guess it's Arsenal and the supporters' job to protect those players. And then the very next day that happened. I don't know, like, if that was fate or something like that, but it seemed very timely for that kind of uh, action to happen so soon after Arteta had mentioned that. Um, So I definitely feel, as you say, Ian, it's very symbiotic the way it's working at the minute. And it goes in home, home matches and especially in away matches as well. Go on, Adrian. I just think that, the documentary will maybe have given the players a pass to some degree because the, the fans might be a little bit more sympathetic to them when when they do make a mistake because they've sort of maybe you know liked what they've seen on the documentary thought oh yeah you're a decent you're a decent bloke or family and stuff and maybe they get off their backs a little bit i think i think that that could be a factor in the short term but but I, overall, I think the fans are just so excited by the quality of the football that they're seeing, by the, the fast development of the team, that when we do have a setback, like we did at the weekend again with a you know big mistake from, from Gabriel getting caught by Alexander Mitrovic, there was no feeling of doom and gloom. There was no the next pass that went astray wasn't groaned from, from 60,000 people. There was just a determination to drive the team on and... Yeah. And they did a great job, the fans and the players, to to turn that match around. Do you know what? From, from one nil down, 
if we'd have won 5-1, that wouldn't have been an unfair reflection of how we responded to that setback. And that is the polar opposite of what we saw last season. Yeah, quite. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Just a brief chat then about um, a couple of the players who are going who are on loan. You know, Nuno Tavares scored again. By the way, you know, what's I mean, going what on? Is go- <laughs> who is that bloke? Getting his free scoring I mean, wing back. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit, a little bit cheated by it, don't you? It's like... Mate, you didn't put a shot on target in about the year and a half when you were there. Suddenly, you're getting goals for fun. You've got more than Flo Balligan's got, I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, Marseille second in the table, unbeaten. Uh, they beat Nicola Pepe's niece as well. That sounds like Nicola Pepe's niece was, but no, you know what I mean. <laughs> that would be, I, I mean, she she was up against it right from the start, to be honest. It must be weird, Adrian, playing against a, a teammate that's not your teammate, but it's still your teammate. I mean, has that happened to you? <laughs> it probably has, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, it probably has. I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember going on loan to Carlisle once when I was at Southend, and then Southend played Carlisle. And then I had to, so I, I knew both sets of players very well, and I wasn't allowed to play. But then they got me on the pitch beforehand to do something like give a prize out. I, yes, so I almost got booed by two sets of fans. That was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but the um, no, it, it happens. They wouldn't barely take any notice. The thing I noticed about that goal because I watched it was in the celebrations, the first two to come to him were Kolasinac and Guendouzi. It's, like, it's, it's <laughs> wow. just like an Arsenal sort of um, retirement club, isn't it, at the moment? Uh, not retirement, but you know what I mean. No, Arsenal I know reserves. what you mean. I know yeah, Sanchez you mean. scored twice as well. <laughs> Is that right? Okay, yeah. okay, fair enough. Um, well, uh, the, the other result that we might uh, briefly talk about, the under-18s beat Tottenham 4-1. Jack Wilshire's crew had a video message from Cesc Fabregas pre-kickoff. Did you see this game, by the way? Art, did you watch the under-18s play? I didn't go to see it. I haven't. I don't think there's really access to watch the under-18s games. But obviously, I think Benjamin is a player who's been very in very good form throughout the start of the season. Played well against Fulham a couple weeks ago now, I think. And yeah, obviously, that was their first win under Wilshire, but again you can see so I watched the highlights of the games and the Chelsea and Fulham games in particular and you can see the styles pretty similar to what the first team want so obviously playing out from the back being very front foot in everything they do um, yeah. and hopefully 
that Tottenham result can be the catalyst to, to springboard their season forward. But yeah, very, very good to see his first win was against uh, those lot. Yes, yeah, that lot, exactly, <laughs> uh, by the way. Uh, before I forget, uh, word for Leah Williamson in the stands in the game against Fulham the other day, celebrating like the true <laughs> Arsenal fan that she is. It was really nice to see that. Go on, Adrian. Yeah, she's not, Yeah, she's an Arsenal fan. Yeah, we had three of the girls in the box with us on the breakdown live. Brilliant to, to chat to them pre-match as well. They're really excited about They're the, still flying? the season ahead. Sorry? They're still flying after what happened? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't have the England players, but three of the, three oh, of the right, Arsenal okay. women's, women's team came in because they were all there, weren't they? They were special guests, weren't they, on the days? Yes. But, but yeah, it was lovely to speak to them, and they, yeah, they're really excited. They also said that uh, Jonas Ada Valley's beasting them in pre-season, <laughs> is, um, good. which I thought was good, to, good to hear. Yeah. Good, and they're going to have a big old crowd for the Spurs, the North London derby at home, aren't they? So that's yeah. excellent. Oh, you wrote about Mikel Arteta's 100 games, uh, first 100 games. The piece is out, I believe, tomorrow. So that, well, it's Tuesday today, so I think it's out tomorrow. <laughs> what have you said? Because I haven't seen the piece yet. What have you, what, what, no, I haven't. Well, nobody, nobody shows no, We can't be bothered to read it. Just tell us <laughs> yeah. what you wrote. No, 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 wait, no, back off, straight away. I would have read it, but I haven't had access to it at the moment. But you can tell us we have art, we have the writer here, Adrian. What have you written? Is it, is it um, I mean, I guess... I guess the thing with Mikel Arteta is uh, he had an amazing uh, start with the FA Cup win and then last season was a tough old season uh, but he seems to have picked it up quite nicely now. What have you been saying? Yeah, so I guess the general kind of vibe of it is there was a lot of surgery being done in the first, say, year to 18 months. So the first 50 games of his Premier League tenure and now, I guess the last 50, the second half of his Arsenal Premier League tenure, you've been able to see a lot more progression and, I guess, identity with what is going on. So I think, for the most part, a lot of the ideas have been there from from the start, even that game against Bournemouth from Boxing Day. If you look at how uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles played at right-back, he was inverting from that position and did so for a few weeks after that. But I just don't think there was consistency across the board. You saw some really, really poor, poor months when that free three four three became so stale. Yeah. It was it was just probably that was that was the worst moment. The worst so period under Arteta. When we lost, and, and this is when when the uh, when we weren't allowed in stadiums or a few. Yeah. Was this when we lost to Burnley? at home and Granite got sent off in that yes. sort of period. Yeah, oh. and oh. I think if anything, looking <laughs> back, yeah. <laughs> obviously there was a lot of pressure on Arteta at the time, and the fact that they didn't get rid of him then was probably the writing on, on the wall in terms of how they viewed his appointment, and I guess that's come to. A little bit of fruition since then with obviously the new contract at the back end of last season before the season had even finished. And now, I guess, looking forward to the rest of this season, you just hope that the steps that were taken mostly throughout last season after Ramsdale, Tommy Asso and Erdegaard came through the door, who really helped, I guess, accelerate that progression. Uh, you just hope that they build on that. And I think they've done that so far this season, obviously, they're probably better equipped than they were even in May. And the way 
Jesus and Zinchenko have slotted in. They've transformed the way that they play both with and without the ball. So that's the general, I guess, vibe of of what, what I wrote. I don't have to read it now, do I? That's excellent. No. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. That'll save me a few minutes. Um, Adrian, you did say, Adrian, you did say last week you give him a B, a solid mm. B, Mikel mm. Arteta, uh, yeah. from the start. But you know what? Winning a game from going behind, that is another level in a team's education, right? That is, what character have you got? What willpower? What can you do? Tactical changes, I, I think it was a step forward for this team. I'm not saying I was happy t- yeah. that we went one nil down, but I love the way we came back. Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, I banged on about it in the breakdown that I've made. It's, I think that that's the big story to come out of the game is is the way that we reacted to the setback because reacting to disappointments last season, we were terrible, just awful. And and, and we, we, we tended to crumble and go the other way. So this is, this is a big step forward. And we have made a big step forward in the ne- in the second fifty of Arteta's Premier League uh, reign, haven't we? The first fifty was it seventy five points? It's now a hundred points yes. from from the next fifty. Now a hundred yes. points. So that's two points a game. Two points a game gets you seventy six points a season. Seventy six points a season gets you in the Champions League. So so that is two points a game is the standard. That's the benchmark of where Arsenal need to be over the course of a season. Obviously, the first fifty games, we didn't get, we didn't get near that, and we didn't get near the Champions League particularly. So, so it all makes sense. The next challenge is to go. How much higher can we go in terms of points? Can we get to the eighty point barrier in a season? Because what did Leicester won the league, didn't they? With um, eighty one points, I think something like that. I'm not saying that that's going to happen again in a hurry, but you can suddenly to go from seventy five points to eighty five. That's what. That's where you you make that challenge to be first or second in the division, and that, and that's what he will be targeting. I think uh, moving forward, Mikel Arteta, better players coming in, I guess, and and uh, and the continuation of the players sort of embracing his ideas. It's um it's all going really nicely. I must say, it's um yeah Progress. nice upward nice upward curve at the moment. We just got to stay on it. Quite. Uh, maybe go 2 0 down against Villa and win 4 uh, 2. Oh, no, no. no, 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 we're not having that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> not um, quite well, at that city level yet. <laughs> no, no, they like going behind. They just, I think every team should get a goal or two start against City. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get them sooner or later and then we'll see how far we are progressing. But they are vulnerable. I mean, it's interesting to see the vulnerabilities in those top teams. So. Uh, liking the way the season's going so far, although Tottenham are annoyingly obdurate in winning <laughs> games, but God, they're dull to watch. Um, let's have a song to end. Um, I actually, uh, I'm going to start this one because on the theme of what we're talking about, I was um, I was driving back from the Edinburgh Festival on Sunday evening in a hire van and uh, uh, for some reason the radio was, I could only get Radio 2 at one point, which I don't mind, I listened to it quite a bit, but it was Tony Blackburn and he played uh, uh, a song uh, by Mama Cass, Cass Elliot, uh, called It's Getting Better. It, it, it's getting better, it's getting stronger. And it's getting And I thought it is. And uh, I want to <laughs> dedicate that to Arsenal. Uh, I'll nice. put my hand on my heart there. Uh, Adrian, what you got? <laughs> Bit of Bob Marley. Get up, stand up, 
don't give up the fight. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. kind of where we were at the weekend, um, especially Gabriel. <laughs> he had to get up and stand up, and he didn't give up the fight. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm headed this week. Love that redemption goal for him. Genuinely <laughs> so pleased for him. Art, what you got? Is it, is it connected to another TV cartoon that me and Adrian will have no idea? <laughs> kind about? of. It, it, this time it's a movie. Uh, this time it's Transformers that came out in 2007 right. with Shia LaBeouf. Um, I do like be- him, by the way. He's good. Have you seen Fury? <laughs> Have you seen him in Fury? I, I haven't, no. Oh, he's outstanding. He's really I'll give really it a watch. Yeah, I'll give it a great. watch. But anyway, yeah, what's the song? <laughs> so uh, in the outro of Transformers, what I've done by Linkin Park plays, and over the past week or so on Twitter, everyone's been putting that song over probably every film that's ever been made, and I've been obsessed with that trend. So I'm going to go with that this week. All right, very, very nice. I can't say that I know the song, but... He's always on trend, his art, he's, isn't he? He's, 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 he's the trendiest out of us lot, that is for sure. Oh, well, it's not exactly a high bar, Adrian, <laughs> to, to be fair. Um, all right, that's it from, obviously, another happy pod. Let's keep that happiness going, Villa, tomorrow night, and then uh, the Manx uh, at the weekend. Thank you so much for listening uh, to the podcast. Thank you to Adrian Clark and Art de Roche. And uh, thanks for listening, like I say, and I'm Ian Stone. Have a good weekend. See you soon. Ta-da.